Attention, everyone. This is an emergency broadcast. The unpleasant noise you are about to hear coming from your radio is not a mistake. Please do not turn off your radio, but turn up the volume on your receiver as high as it can go so that you can make the sound we broadcast as loud as possible. Welcome to the Kaiju Cast, folks. The only podcast that I'm aware of that's 100% dedicated to Godzilla and all of his rubber suited foes. We're back with another episode for this month and a special guest here at the mixing board with me, Jeff Dean from the Horror Holocaust, is with us. In addition to having my good friend making an appearance, I wanted to give a shout out to both Jim Walsh and Bob Johnson for their behind the scenes contributions to the show. Without these two guys, you wouldn't be able to hear a majority of the music that I've played and I'm about to play. We'll get into some news bits a little later, of course. Jeff and I are going to talk about my favorite monsters. Let's kick things off, though, with a little audio treat for you. When the monsters first appeared, they meant to destroy the Earth. There must be an answer to this. The committee is going to find it. In the meantime, you mustn't create a panic. Gentlemen, your cooperation is vital. Dr. Yoshida, since Monsterland is so close, why hasn't Tokyo been attacked? The committee's been wondering about that, I assure you. Now, excuse us, please. There's not much time.
And we're back. That was a lovely set of music there. We started off with a sound clip from Destroy All Monsters. They had a little press conference telling people what was going down with all the monsters attacking all over the world. Then uh, the actual next track was The Monsters Pow Wow on Earth by Akira Ifukube from Destroy All Monsters, followed by Godzilla's Arrival by Rijiro Koruku from Godzilla 1985 or Godzilla Returns. Then I played The Fierceness of Megalon and Gigan by Richiro Manabe from Godzilla vs. Megalon. And we followed that up with uh, Mechagodzilla's theme from Michiru Oshima from Godzilla x Mechagodzilla, the 2002 version. As I mentioned at the beginning of the show, my co-host is a good friend of mine named Jeff Dean. Jeff has his own show on which I have had the privilege of being a guest Jeff is otherwise known as Damien Karras from Horror Holocaust, an online radio show that airs every Friday afternoon at 2 p.m. Pacific on the Portland Radio Authority. I actually met Jeff through a mutual friend, Lindsay Sommerfeld, who now lives in L.A. Say hi to Lindsay, Jeff. Hello, Lindsay. We miss you. Jeff and his co-host, Willie, have had me on the show to talk about Godzilla a few times. I'm very glad to have Jeff here tonight and... uh, with that being said, welcome to the Kaiju Cast, Jeff. Thank you very much, Carl. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm looking forward to it. I can't tell you how fun it was to actually be on the Horror Holocaust, and um, inspirational it was, too, because if it weren't for your show, I definitely would not have started the Kaiju Cast here. So thank you for that. I'm glad we spawned this, uh, yeah. th- this, new, uh, this new baby. Well, it's a good baby. It's a yeah. big, giant rubber baby. Yes, and and you are our resident Godzilla expert. You know, when we want something, you know, we need to know some info, we know who to call, which is you. Because though Willie and myself know some about some about Godzilla, we are not, you know, the enthusiast I, that you are. I, I do pride myself on being an enthusiast. But tell me a little bit about the origin of Horror Holocaust. How did you guys get that started? Well, um... I would see Willie occasionally. We used to like to uh, rob graves at the same cemetery. We'd bump into each other occasionally, you know. But um, no, uh, we. I met Willie through a mutual friend that we had, and uh, she would tell me, um, "Oh, I have this friend who loves horror movies too. You got to get to. We got to get together. You got to meet him, and this and that." And that kind of went on for a while. And um, the first couple times we met, um, it was kind of like we just didn't know really what to say to each other. And she would just like, "Would you guys just please just talk? Come on." bring up a topic, Halloween or something like that. So, you know, we started talking, and eventually uh, we would see each other a couple times a year, and we would just, you know, hit it off, uh, geeking out about horror films. Um, and that went on for, for a number of years. And then um, we would go see, you know, the occasional genre film every, every now and then. And then he gave me a, a call um, a number of years ago and said that he had this uh, uh, radio sh- show thing going on that he became you know, a host of, he had a couple hour slot at a pirate radio station and, uh, he wanted to know if I wanted to become a guest on the show. And I said, sure. So I I went down and, uh, uh, was a guest for one episode and I've never left since then. (laughs) (laughs) And that's been going like, it's over four years now we've been doing the show. That's awesome. Four years. That is a long time to run a show and, and still, have the enthusiasm to to do it all the like every week for anybody who hasn't listened to the show these guys talk about horror movies and it's just all it's really natural the way they talk about it and like when i was on it i left the show for the first time i was like so jazzed i was like yeah these guys were really fun to talk to and it's 
not only fun to be on the show, but it's definitely fun to listen as well. So let's um, let's talk about my favorite subject, kaiju, which of course means monster in Japanese. My first two guests, which were uh, Martin and Jody, they didn't really have a lot of experience with monster movies, but you do. What was the first Japanese monster movie you ever saw? Well, <clears throat> I'll tell you that my first experience with Godzilla was when I was a kid. I got this book that was called something like Monsters of the Movies. It was, you know, as a kid, it was a book for, you know, adolescent kids. And um, they just had like a black and white picture of a monster and then like a little description of, you know, who he was and stuff. And um, Godzilla was one of the monsters that they featured in this book. And I was very intrigued. I had never really heard of Godzilla um, and hadn't, you know, seen a film at all until I, um, it's like the late 70s, there was this show called Creature Features that, that aired in uh, uh, Sacramento where I grew up which was the Saturday night, you know, late night movie monster show. And uh, ours was ho- hosted by this great guy named Bob Wilkins, and I would stay up until like midnight on Saturday nights. My parents would, you know, let me do it if I could actually stay awake. And uh, one of the movies they showed uh, on this uh, program was uh, Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla from uh, 1974. This must have been probably in the late 70s that, that I saw it. And... Uh, I was just hooked. I just loved it so much. And uh, I would just, you know, scour the TV guide because those are the days before you had any kind of VCRs. So, um, you know, you didn't have this instant gratification like you get now. You can just go rent the movie or whatever. You just kind of scour the TV guide until you found it when when it was going to be on again. And, uh, yeah, you know, I would see it. Like, I think they would air it like one or two times a year. It seemed like they only had like a certain number of Godzilla films that they would air. Yeah, yeah. And um, so I saw like, like two or three just kind of over and over again. I never got to see the full gamut of them all. Now that's, I think a lot of people experienced that when they were kids. I mean, uh, I have several friends from that area who I really are intimate with the whole Bob Wilkins scene. And I know that uh, Son of Godzilla he played, yeah. uh, you know, and Megalon. And, uh, yeah, I, I can only wish that I had that kind of experience when I was growing up, but unfortunately I, uh, I led a sheltered life and I only saw Rodan 50 million times as a kid. Yeah. It's like, you know, with Godzilla vs. Mecha Godzilla, son of Godzilla. And then, um, uh, the other one that they would always show would be King Kong vs. Godzilla. Mm. They just kind of would run that into the ground. That's cool. I got some news about that movie a little bit later. Cool. Cool. So, um, as you know, there's a 28, there's a total of 28 Japanese Godzilla films. So, out of all those movies, and I know you don't, you might not know them all, like which ones they are, or you might not have even seen them all, but which are the ones that stand out most to you? And, you know, just tell me a little bit about what, which movies you like and why you like them. Um, well, of course, you know, Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla from 74, I have a soft spot for because, you know, it's the first one that I saw and, I, and I've seen it, you know, many, many times. And, um, uh, you know, I love that one. I also love Godzilla vs. Uh, Mothra. I have, I have a Mothra fetish, you know, so... <laughs> really? I, <laughs> I have I a moth fetish, I, I guess I didn't know is. about that, Jeff. Yeah, so I love Godzilla vs. Mothra, and um, I, I, I've really grown to appreciate the first film for its just sheer originality and uh, just the dark tone that, that it has. And it's so different than any other Godzilla films. I remember when I finally saw that when I was a teenager, I really didn't know what to make of it because it was so different than all the other films I had been exposed to. I was kind of like, hmm, that's not what I expected the first Godzilla film to be. Only because, you know, it, 
I mean, it, it's a pretty serious film. Yeah, it's very somber. Yeah, it's you know very dark, and th- there's no camp at all. Like that would, c- would kind of come into like the later films, like you know, Son of Godzilla and stuff. Yeah, and I'm, you're talking about the Raymond Burr version. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but I've grown to really, really you know love that version. And uh, but you know, a lot of, of my favorites of the Godzilla films are from the Heisei series. Nice. Like I love Biolante, Mothra, Destroyer is just you know remarkable. Um, and the reason I like those films is because, you know, by the time those were made, there was so much um, advancement in special effects. So you could really, I mean, you could still tell it was a guy in a suit. Oh, yeah. But I mean, the, spe- the special effects and everything was just fantastic. Yeah. I love the, the Heisei series as well. Um, for those that don't know, I have a number of the Heisei monsters tattooed on my right arm and my Godzilla tattoo sleeve. And it looks great. Yeah. Well, thank you. It was a lot of pain to have to go through. But, you know, uh, Batra and uh, Biolante and Destroya are my three, like, all-time favorite monsters, and they're all from the Heisei series. And I think that when I found out that that Godzilla didn't end in the 70s, mm-hmm. um, or with 1985, which was actually one of the first Godzilla movies I actually saw... Years later, of course, I found out that they he um, he did come back in 1989 with Godzilla versus Biollante, and I went nuts for that movie. And then shortly after that, I found the internet and found out that there were even more. And then, of course, I had to buy the movies, and I just have a very very uh, special corner of my heart dedicated to the Heisei films. Yeah, there was just I mean, it was just like. It was fantastic, and at that time in the uh, '90s when they were making those films, um, I lived in uh, the Bay Area, San Jose, and I had a roommate um, who who was just, you know, a Godzilla fanboy. He just he just you know he worshipped the films and, and loved them, and uh, he would get a, a G Fan magazine. Yeah, and uh, through the uh, uh, one of one of the dealers in there that would deal in, in like bootleg tapes basically what in san francisco or in the bay area he found it like in the magazine because you know when the, the films would come out like around christmas time or something in japan and we would have to wait you know i don't know how long it was until like it got released on dvd then or vhs whatever and then the bootlegs yeah. would start flowing so we'd have to wait till then but it was always like i got the new one and would rush in you know into his room that night it came in the mail yeah. and, and watch it that's a that's a long cycle if you think about it now I mean, yeah, yeah. we we got we don't have to wait for anything these days. Like back uh, when I was in college and I, I was finding out about these films, I basically got online in '95, and that's when you know Destroyer was released, and I was all excited because I saw posters and some pictures from it. And then I actually bought a a cam quarter copy of Godzilla vs. Destroyer. I am not kidding about this. I went uh, I went to the Savannah College of Art and Design. And um, I was a video major there. And I <clears throat> went into the auditorium room where they had a projector. And I got to watch the theater cam version of Godzilla vs. Destroya. <laughs> but it still took uh, it took probably about six or seven months before I even saw that they had subtitled ones available after wow. that. And so I know it was like a couple of months until I even saw the movie, the theater cam version. And then six or seven months after that. And nowadays, that you know, you wait 
maybe four or five months and you've got this full blown beautiful DVD of yeah. of whatever you want. Yeah. You know, another thing we would do is, um, you know, we knew the movie had had come out in Japan, so there was lots of Japanese bookstores in the Bay Area, of course. Right. So right. we would go there, and they would have, you know, like the children's books, magazines, and then we went to like come over to my house in Berkeley, and they had the toys. So we kind of like would be able to thumb through and see stills, and be oh, like, yeah. oh, you know, yeah. you know, we would just like love it and eat it That's up. That's cool. And we would buy these Japanese kids books, basically. We couldn't read them, of course, but you could get the gist of, you know, yeah, and, and you got to at least see the stills, you know. On that shelf right up there, um, for, you know, you guys listening on your computers or your iPod, you can't see, but I'm pointing to a shelf on my uh, bookcase. I have a whole bunch of just Godzilla stuff up there, and there are some kid books up there, you know. Yeah. There's one yeah. in particular that actually you put batteries in, and as you turn the pages, you can press the buttons and hear the Godzilla and and Mothra and Biollante and Batra roars. That's awesome. it's really cool. That's great. Um, you know, there's a place here in you know Portland, Wajimaya uh, Market. Wajimaya, yeah. Yeah, you can. They have a little bookstore in there. And um, about the time that the new se- the Millennium series was was coming out, yep. I would go there and uh, have a couple you know books and stuff. I would buy. Yeah, just them. about every time they had a movie come out, you you were pretty much guaranteed you could find something there you could find something there either you know sometimes toys or books or even sometimes they had the soundtracks yeah they do have it they have a nice cd uh, selection there yeah they charge top dollar but (laughs) yeah if you really want it i mean that's where you can find it well japanese cds are expensive anyway so have you ever been able to see a godzilla movie in the theater um you know i saw godzilla 2000 when uh was it sony released that here um you know, back in, I guess it was the year 2000, wasn't it? Or 99 or 2000? Yeah, no, they released it in 2000. Yeah, and then um, I saw, of course, the uh, 50th anniversary, you know, uncut, remastered edition of the original when they put that out. And then I saw, um, I believe it was Destroy All Monsters at a certain Godzilla Film Festival here in Portland. At a certain someone, yourself. A certain someone. Through, before, you know. That's... We knew each other. See, folks, that is really what's cool. Is Godzilla's bringing people together, and That's I didn't right. even know that. Uh, yeah, I didn't know Jeff back then. That's I'm glad to hear you went to that. That's very cool. Yeah, I wanted to go to more, but uh, you know, at the time, my wife was very, very pregnant, and <laughs> and uh, I couldn't get away for as many as many nights as, as excuses, I, as I, excuses as I wanted to. But it was a, uh, you know, it was great. But those are the only three that I've actually seen. Um, on the big screen. Yeah. I I am lucky because I threw that film festival. Um, I've been able to see... I was able to see Godzilla 2000 when that came out, of course. And then, uh, you know, the, the the film festival, I played six movies. I got to see all of those. Mm-hmm. I played Destroy All Monsters, uh, Godzilla vs. the Smog Monster, Monster Zero, Godzilla vs. Destroya, Godzilla vs. Megagirus, and... Uh, Godzilla Mothra King Ghidra. Then I got to see, um, I don't really count it as a real film expedition, but I got to see Tokyo SOS at the Hollywood Theater because for my birthday, we played the DVD and we oh, got to I see it in the in the big screen. It looked pretty good, even though it was just a DVD projection. Yeah, yeah. And then I went to L.A. and got to see Final Wars, too. So I, I've definitely seen my share of Godzilla movies in the theater. And I can't forget, I also have seen Gamera 3. 
FFA. when I went to G Fest in 1999. Awesome. A true thrill to see that movie. Um, so you didn't see uh, Godzilla 1985? No, in not the in the theater. theater. I um, the story behind that movie and me and the history that I have is when I lived in Japan in 1987. I came across that movie playing on TV, but it was the actually the Raymond Burr version because we, you know, I used to watch the American channel or the English channel there in Japan, and they played it a lot, and then I recorded it and watched it over and over again, mm-hmm. and that's when I became a Godzilla freak. So that's when um, it hatched, basically. Yeah, that's that's when the uh, the the needle was shoved into my brain and the uh, addictive Godzilla juice was pumped in. So were you still living in Japan in 89 when Biolante was released? No, we or? actually only lived in Japan for, um, we actually lived there for less than a year. Oh, okay. So, and that's like, well, then when I came back to the States, it was, there was absolutely no kind of information about Godzilla that I knew of. And I just sort of dropped it mm-hmm. until I got to college and I met some, Met some other people, and that's when I found out about uh, Biolante. Yeah, yeah. I remember uh, um, I didn't see Biolante because um, it was released actually by an American company on on DVD. Ah, I'm sorry, VHS. Yeah, HB- so used to HBO actually. Yeah, they, they released it, but I remember all the other ones. It's just like you know, you had to find it to through other means to check the other films out on the Heisei series. Right. You know? Yeah, they didn't. Um, no one released those until the American Godzilla movie came out. Yeah, yeah, and that was um, TriStar doing yeah. the the rest of the Heisei series very poorly. Actually, the note it wasn't all of the Heisei series. They did Mothra and King Ghidra as a double disc, and then they also did Destroy It and Space Godzilla as a double disc. And it was, I think, a couple of years later is when they actually finally released Mechagodzilla. Yeah, yeah. I didn't think Mechagodzilla ever came out until the 50th anniversary when they released... Like yeah. they, they released like Mechagodzilla, then they released like Megalon, um, Gigan on just like you know Sony put those out or whatever. Yeah. Oh, I, I meant the '92 version or the '93 oh, version of okay. Mechagodzilla. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I understand. Yeah. The that one though, I I still don't even know when they put that one out. But yeah, the fit when the 50th anniversary happened, that was that was a godsend for Godzilla fans and DVDs. Yeah. Even though they were pretty bare bones. At least you had them. Wide At least screen. you had them in widescreen and with, you know, the option for dubbed or subtitled. Yeah, I really, you know, it always irked me that um, you couldn't get them in the Japanese language. Yeah. When you get the dubbed versions, it's just, it's not the same experience, really, you know. Yeah, well, some of them I like dubbed, you know, every, I the Showa series, which is the first movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Know, up through 75. I like those dubbed. I mean, I... I don't have a problem at all with hearing, you know, the voice actors, but the the Heisei series and everything after, I just those I can't stand hearing the dubbed voices. The, the it's I think it has to do with the company who who did the dubbing and the actors who did the dubbing. Yeah. No offense to the actors, I just think that you know a lot of it, the characters sounded like. They were played by the same actor. One guy. Yeah. One guy in a studio. A guy and a girl. Yeah. <laughs> you, um, have, you have all the male parts, and you have all the female parts, and the kid parts. I have to say that um, when Classic Media started releasing, uh, you know, the uh, the Showa series, mm-hmm. um, those are just, those are phenomenal. 
You know what's funny about that is like when classic media first started releasing those, they came out with this uber cheap box set. Yeah, I, yeah, with, with nothing on them. Exactly. Yeah, with the with the really corny artwork. Yeah, on them as well, it's like foil artwork. Yeah, and then, yeah. and then uh, I heard that they were coming out with more versions. Mm-hmm. You know, several years later, and my first thought was, Psh, classic media. Who wants that stuff? But man, talk about a company that proved me wrong. Everything they've released since then has just been, I think, a class act. Yeah, I mean, like that two disc special edition f- for the first film. Yeah, is is uh, you know one of the best I think DVD special editions there's ever been. Yeah, well they put a lot of work into not only the um, the getting the the act of getting the movies onto the disc and having the subtitled version and the dubbed version, um, but they also have a great art. Di- uh, they have great art direction for yeah. for the menus and the packaging. Yeah, and, and it's great they have audio commentary. Yes, and a, and a lot of great stuff. And they went through all the other films, you know, a lot of the other films too. And the thing that really, you know, bothered me at first is when they finally got to uh, um, Terror of Mecha Godzilla. You had to buy like we go, yeah, we buy the box set, which I, you know, that's just like that's a cheap move, a low blow. Right. Oh, I remember and, I was on the show when when I had that information. Yeah. 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 And I was like. And, uh, just wait. <laughs> yeah, and they did like I think it was like last year they finally released. Yeah. Um, you know those two separately, yeah. so you could go buy them separately. Yeah, I still don't have um, Godzilla's Revenge and uh, and Terror of Mechagodzilla from Classic Media. I also don't have War of the Gargantuas and Rodan yet either. Yeah, th- that just came out like six months ago. Yeah, I, I need to get off my butt. Maybe when I get paid, I'll I'll go get those. Yeah. So anyway, speaking of uh, older movies, one of the characters, as you mentioned, uh, Mothra, an old school character, you have some weird thing about Mothra. You know, I I think seriously, when I first, the very first time I listened to the show, when um, Lindsay told me about it, you guys played the Mothra theme song. And you you have really taken a shine to that song. You play the '92 version, which, in my opinion, is like one of the worst ones out there. So, for the love of God, man, tell me what it is about Mothra that that drives you into this feeding frenzy of Mothra. Uh, you know, I, I I told you, you know, it has to be this you know fetish I have towards moths or something. But I just love the '92 version of you know, especially you know of, of Mothra's song. It, you know the the original version by, by Peanuts is good, but it sounds like some kind of island tribal chant, which is fine. But because you know that's the first one I was exposed to, and it's fine. But once I heard the '92 version by Cosmos, it just has this, you know, shiny, poppy, sparkly goodness to it that that appeals to like you know the ten-year-old girl in me. <laughs> you know, the same ten-year-old girl that likes you know the Spice Girls and bubblegum ice cream. And I'm just in touch with that aspect. And I just, you know, I have a soft spot for that. Also for the, you know, three Mothra films that came out in the 1990s. You like, I, you like those Mothra movies? I do. But I told you it's something to do with moth and on, you know, how she kind of changes. She's like rainbow Mothra. And then she has all the armor in, in part. It's just, you know, it's awesome. <laughs> and I admit they are geared towards, you know, kids. Definitely. But, um, you know, I would say... No, not any more so than than like Son of Godzilla and some of those ones that hovered around there in the late sixties. Oh which... no, you're totally. I think you're totally right about that. But uh, you know, there's there's a 
I have not seen the Mothra movies since they came out, and I watched them each, and then I put them away on my video shelf <laughs> probably for the rest of my life. But I was listening to some of the music from the first movie, and I don't they have a scene in that movie where the fairy Mothra gets uh, hurt, and they tell the kids that they have, like, it's a very Peter Pan moment where they're like, you have to believe in the will fairy Mothra back to life. Yes. Keep in mind, if I'm wrong about this, I will edit it out of the show. But <laughs> yeah, no, you are right, I, and I think um, you know there's something about, especially the first one, has this kind of very Wizard of Oz quality because it has like you know like the evil witch. <laughs> but um, it, yeah, it's just this kind of Wizard of Oz quality that about it, and it's you know Belvera. That's the witch. That's the yeah. evil witch name. Yeah, yes. the evil evil witch who's a little fairy. Yes, yes. evil evil fairy. Fairy priestesses, nice. yeah, but you know that's what I said. It's just like I, I can't really, you know, justify it. But I, you know, well, if you're in touch with a ten year old girl in you, don't worry, man. I'm not going to make you justify it <laughs> because we welcome all types here on this show. On that note, let's actually join Ichiro, Junko, and Professor Miura on the beach and find out just what the going rate for a million chicken eggs was in 1964. You there, don't touch that egg. You might damage it, and I certainly don't want that to happen. Who are you? Since you ask, I'm Kubayama. I'm the great entrepreneur. Oh, you are? I bought this egg. It belongs to a company now. <laughs> you bought it? Who sold it to you? I did. And I had every right to offer it for sale. The egg drifted into our waters. Huh? Here is a response. How much was it? A great deal of money. 940,038 yen. Odd amount, isn't it? What do you mean? It's not odd at all. It was quite simple to agree on that sum. 153,000 is approximately how many chicken eggs this is equal to. I took the wholesale price of one egg oh. and just multiplied.
してモスラ花が開くようにモスラみんな待っているの Welcome back to the talking, talking parts of the Kaiju cast. For anybody who's keeping track, we started off with a fantastic quote from Mothra vs. Godzilla from 1964, where、uh, you get Kumiyama talking to the reporters and the professor about how much he sold Mothra's egg to the, or how much he purchased Mothra's egg for from the villagers because it drifted into their waters. Then、uh, we actually listened to Battle with the Enemy of Life from Toshiyuki Watanabe from Mothra, the 1996 version.、Um, and if I'm not mistaken, I think that's actually the、uh, basically Death Ghidra and Mothra fighting song. Then we listened to Clash of Two Giant Monsters by Ko Otani from Gamera 2 Advent of Legion, one of my favorite movies. And then we listened to Gamera vs. Giron. By Shunsuke Kikuchi, and I'm butchering those names, I know, so I apologize. But、uh, that was from Attack of the Monsters, also known as Gamera vs. Giron. And then we finished that up with the、uh, Godzilla vs. the Sea Monster version of the Mothra song by Masaru Sato. Moving on to our next section, 
This is KaijuCast News. United Nations reporter Eric Carter with the news. The world is stunned to discover that prehistoric creatures exist in the 20th century. The armies have been alerted as we wait for more news from Japan. So as I've uh, mentioned before, I don't actually come up with my own scoops for the show. I I use other resources um, like SciFiJapan.com where some of my friends post news blurbs that they've come across and report on. Um, this week, I've got another source. My friend August Ragone uh, has his own blog, and so I'm going to actually start with something that I read off of the Sci-Fi Japan website. Um, cult magazine Shock Cinema recently featured an interview with Linda Haynes, who played Dr. Ann Barton, the hot blonde crew member of the Super Sub Alpha and the 1969 film Latitude Zero. The interview recounts her other cinematic roles, but SciFiJapan.com reports that a majority of the interview actually centers around the filming of Latitude Zero. Now, Latitude Zero isn't really a giant monster movie, but uh, I have it in my collection because it's just one of those must-have film epics where, I mean, seriously, where else can you see Cesar Romero commanding a winged lion to kill Joseph Cotton? Nowhere. You, you can't. <laughs> Nowhere except my dreams. Only only Toho could have made that film, and they did, and it's a it's a fantastically strange uh, journey. And so I highly suggest people see that. That's all, one of those ones that I would say uh, definitely check out sometime if you can. It's not available. Actually, it may have been just released on DVD recently, but I digress. Check out uh, SciFiJapan.com for a little bit more info about that interview from shock cinema the cult magazine uh next up august reports on his blog that the special effects genius behind the 1990s gamera series shinji higuchi is currently working with artist jun miura on a parody of the giant monster movie the film is called gehara the long-haired giant monster and it is what you might call a different cut of movies. The creature clearly takes its gnarled locks from the creepy and traditional Japanese ghost lore. Uh, August blog has links to the official website of the film and to the first eight minutes online. So check out August's blog and find out more on this short film. I'll have the link in the show notes after I post it. So do you think this is going to be kind of like a giant... Uh Cousin It from the Adams Family. Uh, I've seen a picture of it. It's it's uh, looks sort of like a like a pleosaur covered mm. in hair. Okay. It's a little creepy. Black hair. A little bit creepy. Yeah. Gehara is the name of that movie. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing that. I I guess it's made for another television show. Okay. So hopefully I'll be able to see it later. Um, also, there are some screenings. So people. Make sure you mark this down. If you're in the New Hampshire area, the Colonial Theater will be showing King Kong vs. Godzilla as part of the second Spooktacular event on Friday, April 24th. The Spooktacular show is put on by the New England State's own Saturday Fright special horror movie host, Mark Nelson, and will also feature vintage monster movie trailers and theater ads. In-person visits from all of the Saturday Fright special crew and tons of giveaways that include t-shirts and DVD copies of the new horror host documentary. American Screams. Uh, Close. Very close. 
the new documentary American Scary. If you're American in- Scary, that's right. I saw that. Actually. Did you? Yeah, they had a screening for it like a year and a half ago at the Hollywood Theater. Was it good? Yeah, it was really cool. Nice. It was a big, you know, it was about all the different, the history of horror hosts from like the 1950s up till today. People are still doing that, you know. Cool. So if you're anywhere near Keene, New Hampshire at the end of April, make sure you check out that show. Uh, and again, of course, I'll post that in the uh, show notes. <clears throat> also, August is working with the Castro Theater in San Francisco. Mm. Uh, to host Godzilla and the Monsters of Destruction, a Japanese monster festival with Godzilla suit actor Haruo Nakajima as the guest of honor for the event. Um, at this time, all we know is the festival will take place from August 21st through the 23rd, so keep an eye on August's blog or perhaps the Castro Theater website to get more information as the year progresses. So that's about all the news I could find that was fit for the KaijuCast this month, but I'm sure more is on the horizon, and I'm sure that I'll keep pulling stories off of my friends' websites. Ha-ha! So with the closing of the news, that finishes up the word part of the KaijuCast. I wanted to thank my friend Jeff for helping out on the show tonight. If you guys are a horror movie fan out there, make sure you check out Horror Holocaust and listen every week. So thank you, Jeff, for joining us tonight. Well, thank you, Carl, for having me. It was a pleasure. I loved it. And anytime you want me back, I will uh, gladly come back, and I'll bring Drus- Drusilla next time as, mm. as well. <laughs> she has a lot to say. That's you know. excellent. <laughs> <laughs> so my interview with Jeff went on for a little too long, and I had to cut it off just for this episode to keep it sort of within the hour time frame. So make sure you tune in to next month's episode where I'll feature the second half of the interview with my friend Jeff. Uh, Okay, so if you found this podcast from iTunes or some other podcast directory uh, and you want to check out the blog, make sure you visit our website, which is www.kaijucast.com. And if you'd like to make suggestions or share some information, some praise, some negative stuff, I'm totally open to hearing anything, and I love hearing from people. So send me an email at controller at kaijucast.com and I'll make sure to write you back. Most definitely. So let's close this episode with a few choice tracks that uh, I've got here. One I forgot to play earlier in the episode, which is called AAB Gamma to the Moon from Taku Izumi from the X from Outer Space and then we'll follow that up with Battle in Outer Space's uh, main theme. And then the appearance of the black shark from Latitude Zero. And we'll end it all with the ending title track from Terror of Mechagodzilla. Thank you so much for tuning in. This has been Kaiju Cast.